Are you ready to talk about some Tenacious D? Oh my god. Some School Lord. of Rock? Great freaking Scott. Yeah, we better we better go back to the future to sort this mess out. Marty! <laughs> I just found out I was cast in Star Wars. You know, of all the cameos, I'm, that one was the least intrusive in this I'm episode. a Star Wars villain. <laughs> I just <gasps> like I just I, uh, that one uh, felt that one was a cool. I I I was okay with that one. I think I think that one felt didn't felt feel intrusive at all. But man, Jack Black and what's her face? Oh, Nacho freaking Star Wars character. Oh, man. I just, okay, so hang on. It's episode six of Mandalorian season three. Is this six? It's six. Uh, we got two more after this. Two more to go, hopefully, and we're hopefully playing, we don't have intrusive cameos in them. We're playing fast and loose with the story that we're supposed to be telling here because hey, we got two, we got two episodes left. We can tell the story later. We'll get to <laughs> some we'll Hollywood to big shots want here. to be in our show. Let's just throw them in wherever. Next week, Bruno Mars is a. <laughs> I just ah. Uh, uh, Spoiler warning. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Movie Men podcast. The B-team. That's Carl. And uh, that over there somewhere is Brady. That right there over there, that guy there. Oh, yeah. our um, uh, You know, I've been hating on, um, I've been hating on season three. Quite a bit. Of the Mandalorian quite a bit. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you. To. Buckle up, because I'm about to double down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm Uh, there with you for some of it in this episode. This might be the... Listen, this might be the worst episode of this show to date. Uh, Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh there are some redeeming moments the, for sure. The parts that didn't have Jack Black in them, I thought were really good. <laughs> I like for the yeah, like quick uh, yes. quick rundown of the episode. Okay, right? we got we're back on Tatooine. The the, <laughs> the Mandalorian and and Bo Katan are going to round up the rest of the Mandalorians to unite them. So they end up. Going to Bo-Katan's Night Owl gang first, who happened to have uh, a contract with this planet to help protect them. The planet is ro- ruled by elected leaders, uh, Jack Black and some singer that I don't know of. Are we supposed to believe? Pittance. Are we it, like, is what Star Wars is what the Mandalorian is trying to tell us? The show is trying to tell us, are, are we supposed to believe at this point that this was the, because this is like their guns for hire. They'll do whatever, whoever's paying them to do wants them to do. I'm guessing this, the, the suggestion is that this is the crew that broke Moff Gideon out. I don't think so. No, we went into this last episode. And that it, it could have been Imperial Mandalorians. 
Mandalorians that were, were for the empire. Yeah. Um, the, the other two theories are that it was Mandalorians who had a hate on for Moff Gideon and killed him. Not likely. Uh, and then the third option is that it was just Imperial troops, troopers who had Mandalorian weapons and mm-hmm. armor because the, um, that Moff Gideon's Imperial crew had vast amounts of Beskar made available to them because they conquered the planet. Yeah. You've also done what I usually do and you've already skipped an entire part of this episode. <clears throat> well, the I was doing episode, a rundown of the episode and you went, Oh, the part of the episode where the, where the, the writer room sat down and they're like, okay, so how can we have a four minute interracial romance story while also reminding people that this crew exists? Don't worry. This this whole storyline doesn't have to have anything to do with anything. We don't need to touch on it again. It doesn't. It's not actually important. It's just gonna. We're gonna see. We're gonna see some creature in a tank who's in a relationship with the Mon Calamari and smuggling them out. Of, you know, yeah, it'll be. You know, it'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> what? Like when it started, I was like, oh, this is like, what is this storyline gonna be? Like I was like, this might be another one of those episodes where we don't actually see Din. Like this could just right. be one of those weird offshoot backstory episodes, um, which I actually kind of enjoy those episodes. <laughs> like my favorite episodes of Mandalorian are the ones that the Mandalorian's not in, <laughs> but um, it just meant nothing. It had nothing to do with anything. It was yeah, just like, really. Oh, this was, it, w- it was, it was literally there to say that the night owl team are guns for hire. Yeah. That, which is literally the title of the episode. Yeah. The, like the two, the 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 person who's leading them the the i can't remember his name he he and his second in command we did see in the mandalorian season 2 when um bo-katan when we first met bo-katan in live action like they were kind of those two characters were flanking her now he's in charge and she's second in command so i mean it, it kind of relayed that and that their guns for hire Uh, The rest of it was kind of fluff. However, I thought it was kind of interesting fluff because like the Mon Calamari prince was running away with a, um, I can't remember the species right now, but both those creatures are from the same planet and they usually like, Mm. they don't get along. Oh no, I enjoyed this. That was, that was kind of cool. And it was kind of cool to see how the captain's chair was also a fish tank. And (laughs) I wish this scene had been the setup, but actually had been the setup for this episode. I wish this was what this episode had been about, but no, 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 that would make too much storytelling sense. We're simply going to just have this scene in there and then tell you some bullshit story about Jack Black's battle droids that are being (laughs) overthrown by doc Brown. And (sighs) yeah. So, and, and, and really drive home this whole story about like, ah, oh, you know, droids need to kick back and go to a bar as well. <laughs> and as I know we've seen that before in several Star Wars properties. We know that these these facilities exist. And it felt less stupid in the animated shows. <laughs> you give you have more grace for that kind of stuff in the animated? Oh well, yeah, because you're just already like you you're already accept- like the battle droids are a little more slapstick three stoogy and stuff. Like you're accepting the fact that things are going to be 
a little goofy in a TV show. Yeah. Right. Like if in if in a cartoon show you see one droid draw blood from another droid using a syringe, you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a cartoon. <laughs> when you see it live action, you're like, okay, what? Yeah. I, yeah. The so this this episode was is essentially a uh, a CSI episode where our 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 good cop bad cop Din Djarin and Bo Katan have to run this CSI style errand for the leader of the planet so that they can have access to the Mandalorians. The fact that this episode did not start with a song written by the Who is a damn shame. <laughs> do, do, do. Or uh, yeah. the CSI Miami Din Djarin putting on a pair of sunglasses. Yeah, I guess we've <laughs> found our droid. <laughs> like, just. Yeah. Oh my God. The whole time, I'm just literally rolling my eyes watching this episode. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I enjoyed the, the actual kind of um, mystery, kind of sleuthing, good cop, bad cop thing. I enjoyed most of that. Like when Din Djarin, when they're like at the 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 warehouse depot place and Din Djarin starts kicking battle super battle droids. I thought that was hilarious. I loved that. I thought that was great. Like the the chase after was really fun. Like for the most part, I thought it was like that that kind of part of it was good. And then the very Mm -hmm. last part with where they finally meet the Mandalorians. That being said, it did feel like filler. I did get a kick out of Din kicking crates out of Super Battle Droid's arms. Yeah, that was just so good. <laughs> like, yeah, and it was very, it was very good cop, bad cop. Like, Bo-Katan's like doing things, kind of like good cop by the book, and Din Jarn's like, I know how to get answers. Pulls out the gun and tell me what I want to know, or I'll blow you all apart. And nobody leaves, and you know, we I'm going to find the battle droid by antagonizing all the battle droids. <laughs> Can we talk about the ridiculous member berry that happens? Which one? So it's a strange one because it's, it's not a direct member berry, but it's still very much like, ah, ah, see what we did. You see what we did. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like seriously, when Din, and Bo-Katan first arrive on this planet. And they're greeted by they're greeted by two Imperial droids. Two Imperial droids. Not droids we've ever seen before, two Imperial droids. But standing side by side, it's an Imperial protocol droid standing next to an Imperial right. Astromech. Yeah. And I was like, oh come on. Yeah. <clears throat> What's uh, the need for both of them? <laughs> What's the need to have this, like, uh, uh, protocol droid and astromech? Uh, you know what that reminds you of? Do you? <laughs> Just like, stop. Yeah. Stop giving me all this crap I don't need. Yeah. Uh, and, just, and we got uh, we got into this a little bit in our news, last news episode. But, yeah, I feel, and I really... Like this episode feels like it more than anything else is that they're, they're trying to tell a story for something else almost. 
Mm-hmm. And there are all kinds of rumors kind of coming out of Lucasfilm that um, Dave Filoni and John Favreau are trying to tell stories within Mandalorian that were meant for uh, uh, Rangers of the Republic that got canceled. So like this feels like one of those episodes. Which is a shame because I was really looking forward to that project. Oh, it would have been really good. Yeah. So, man. Yeah. It was a bad episode. <laughs> it was, yeah. It, it definitely, I, it felt like a filler episode. As far as like what filler episodes are, this isn't bad. But it definitely feels like kind of filler right up till the very end. You got to have a lot of nerve, though, to do a filler filler episode when you only have you've only barely kind of just although you keep flip flopping on what your main story is and what the main point of this season is. You keep flip flopping. And okay, so now you've you've reestablished a new main point of this season, which is Bo-Katan going and recruiting these other these other Mandalorians. And with only two episodes left to go in your series now, you've gone, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's toss in an episode that kind of matters right at the beginning and right at the end. But aside from that, it's not really going to have anything to do with anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't... <clears throat> I said this about the, the Coruscant episode that didn't have any, hardly any Mandalorian action in it at all. <clears throat> that... I said at the end of that episode, I said, I hope there's a payoff. It was really mm-hmm. good. It seemed very unnecessary. Hope there's a payoff again, you know, looking, looking at it, you know, this feels like it was probably a storyline meant for Rangers of the Republic. Um, but yeah, like I feel like this is uh, oh man, where did my train of thought going? <laughs> I just lost it, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the payoff could possibly be. Payoff. Yeah, three yeah, the payoff for this what we got there was some payoff for that course on episode in our our last episode where the the kind of imperial uh officer turned republic desk clerk screwed up some helping the uh, a planet. And uh, that then the Mandalorians had to help. <clears throat> yeah. So there, there's that payoff. Where's, how are we going to get any payoff from this? Is Jack Black going to somehow mess with the Mandalorians now? Or like, I don't want to see more Jack Black in Star Wars. <laughs> I didn't want to see. Turns out Jack Black was part of the Empire. Yeah, he was. His character was. That's why, why, I, that's why I was saying, is he somehow now going to be an antagonist but man like i can't see how there's any payoff for this outside of the very last five minutes of the episode where bo takes back her kind of leadership of the night owls and then oh and don't even get me started on that and then and then claims the the dark saber right uh, uh with dinjar and kind of explaining how she rightfully won it um, which I didn't even think about when that happened, but it's like, that's, that's legit. She legit is the, the, the owner of the dark saver. Let's call it what it is. Bo-Katan 
the whole big thing was like, oh, it's a real problem because she's got to be the leader and she's dark saber needs to get back into her hands somehow, but it's, it belongs to Din and and the only way for her to get it back from Din is to beat him in battle and blah, 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 and claim it and kill him and you know, blah, blah, blah. And how are we going to do this? Oh, right. We forgot about technicalities. <laughs> we forgot that he can just, It is we, what happened. Can, yeah, but it was like, so then why did it take so long for him to... Uh, it was just like a very convenient moment. Because this happened weeks ago now. <sighs> and so for him to just be like, I've been holding on to this secret, but technically this is yours here. <laughs> <laughs> At the time you need it most. Well, you know, put it that way, audience. it seems stupid. <laughs> but Thank I mean, you. May, like you could, I mean, you, you're throwing out um, kind of like the thought, you're, you're, you're making assumptions about the thoughts in the person's head, mm. right? Which is a weak position to take because you can easily, just as easily as make the assumption then that he was hanging on to it because he wasn't sure what her motives were. Right. But right. so but it it's still a technicality because there's like seven moments <clears throat> during his monologue where he could have and probably should have said technically. Right. Well, I mean, like he could have said he could have said all that. He could have been like, oh she beat me in this and you know blah 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 and then she rescued me and pulled me out of it and this kid. So technically this is hers. Technically the dark saber still belongs to Dar Darth Maul. <laughs> the whole thing is a massive right, technicality. Like, if you want to, if you want to run technicalities, if you want to like the rules of who owns the dark saber based on what what's been given in TV shows and the TV shows we've seen with it, Darth Maul's technically still the ruler of the dark well, saber. No, there because there must be a clause built in for if the owner of the of the dark saber is dead. <clears throat> But he's not right. dead so, yet. Darth Maul at this point? At this point? Absolutely he is. This is, is happening this post Return of the Jedi. Yeah, okay, so he is dead. Yeah. So technically but, the Dark Saber okay. belonged to Obi Wan. Okay. So the Dark Saber the rules of the Dark Saber are the you have to be defeated in combat. Uh to uh, and then the person who defeats you owns the Dark Saber. Right. And Obi Wan is the one that finally defeats Darth Maul. Right. So, there, so then there, it's there, there's, there's, there's an unspoken caveat here, which is kind of like change can, can drastically change who owns the dark saber. Mm -hmm. And the caveat is, do you have to be defeated while using the dark saber? At which point no one can ever own it now because it's Darth Maul's and, and Darth no. Maul is dead. If, if you have to be defeated while using it, then yes, Darth right. Maul owns it. Who claims it when the owner dies? Oh, I'm right. saying that caveat does not exist, which at, at which point, other, if you follow me here, the, the Darksaber at this current point in time in Star Wars canon belongs to the half-dead kind of resurrecting himself Emperor Palpatine. Precisely. Because Obi-Wan <laughs> destroys Darth Maul, so ownership passes to him. Then Vader kills Obi-Wan, so for a time, I guess the Darksaber belongs to Vader. I bet you he wished he had known that because he probably would have used it. And then the ultimately what kills Vader is the Force Lightning from Palpatine, even though Vader like could have 
saved himself, but it's just like, no, no, let me go. <gasps> let me go. Let me yeah. just look at you with my own eyes. Blah, blah, blah. For the first time. <laughs> For the first time. I'm a bad father. But, but that means that at this point, in whatever disgusting clone fetus stage <laughs> Palpatine is in, he's the owner of the Darksaber. And is until Ray kills him, at which point the Darksaber should now yeah. belong to Ray. <laughs> right. But actually, so like Din, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon here for the Darksaber. Yeah, so Din, Palpatine Din actually owns it sooner than that. Din and Bo Katan should probably just go suck an egg right now because it <laughs> doesn't belong to either of them. It, Palpatine actually, if if you don't have to have the Darksaber to claim ownership of Ovet after defeating the owner, Palpatine actually. Tech would technically own it sooner because Palpatine defeats both Maul and his brother Savage on Mandalore when Darth Maul is ruling Mandalore with the dark saber. Wait, so do you, do you just have to defeat them or do you have to kill them? Defeat them. Oh, so then who the hell knows who owns this friggin' thing? Well, well, I mean like, like if, if the person doesn't have to be in possession of it when you defeat them, yeah, then it's technically Palpatine. Because in mm-hmm. Clone Wars, he easily uh, spanks Maul and Savage. Thanks. Well, when when uh, when Maul is in possession of it, he doesn't use it against him in that fight. Right. But Palpatine still easily He's the owner defats them, so yeah. he would technically yeah. be the owner. Which kind of makes the sense entire to me. Clone Wars. You got something called the Dark Saber. It should be with the. The dark lord of the Sith, possible guy in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, but again, you kind of you do you know, like the the tracking of okay, if 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 he owned it at that point, then he owns it up until Return of the Jedi, at which point, or sorry, uh, um, A New Hope, at which point Vader kills him, but he kind of kills Vader, so he still technically owns it. So when he comes back in. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. He owns it again. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So it's, if if when we get our our the, Ray Skywalker film coming up, if Ray doesn't have the dark saber, I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So the rules are messy, right? Mm-hmm. I think poorly thought I out. Think, I think is is the the correct I think terminology. The point, I think the point of it uh, of the rules are if you can if you can make a claim that you've defeated the owner, an owner of the dark saber, then that is feasible and, um, and, uh, I wouldn't say unreliable or reliable or contestable. Um, that is like valid, a kind of a valid claim. Mm -hmm. Right. So in this case, we all overlooked it. Din Djarin was in possession of the dark saber and he was defeated by this droid, uh, um, thing. So that droid thing is technically the owner. He even the, the droid thing even took it from him. Right. Yep. So then Bo-Katan defeated, took it and defeated the droid thing. I mean, 
it's it's you could call it a technicality, but it uh, it it's still within the rules. Well, technically, it doesn't belong to either of them, and that's what I'm I'm <laughs> staying with that because yeah, belongs to Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> Good old Sheev. Yeah, that's uh, wow. Ah, oh, we just blew the doors wide open on Star Wars. <laughs> but uh, I think it's a it. I thought it was a, a kind of a really interesting. Uh, no, I thought it was a really good payoff. I won't. I won't even Hang on, I got to send an email here. Pardon? Dear Avro. <laughs> I thought no, I thought it was a really good payoff. It was no, as, he, as Din's explaining it, I'm like, oh crap, that's right. She really is the owner of the dark saber now. Yeah, that's 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 so cool. It just to me, for whatever reason, it felt, and maybe it's just also because this scene feels tacked on to an otherwise irrelevant episode that it just felt rushed it felt right. very convenient I, it felt like you know we need to we need we've got four minutes to figure out how they're going to come around and decide to follow her or at least consider it and so uh okay let's let's you know we we have this explanation for how it's going to get back to her let's throw it in here real quick and get it done with and I'm like, oh, but isn't this like a major plot point? Why are we just getting it done with? <clears throat> well, I don't think they are done with it. I think they're going to build on it even more in the next two episodes. I think, like, I think not only is it a beautiful payoff <clears throat> to the the up to the, to the whole um, Bo-Katan defeating the droid. I think it's a it continues to kind of pay off the last episode where the armorer told her to take off her helmet and that, and the rest of the children of the watch that this is okay. She's going to walk between worlds and reunite the clans because she's the only one that can do it. Right. And we see that again, that she's the only one that can unite the clans here uh, at the end of the episode. Now caveat here, I agree with you. It felt a little rushed, right? And I, I blame the rest of the episode, not the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the, the night owls, pure blood Mandalorians, pretty much all of them or, or all of them, literally they, they, they call out Din Djarin. Like he's got the darks. You, you sure you, you run the night owls now. Fine. I, 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 I give you back control of, of this clan. You, you're, you're in charge. You beat me. Good for you. But you're not going to you're not, you don't have the dark saber though. You're no Mandalore and he certainly can't be Mandalore because he's, he's not even pure blooded Mandalore. He's, he's a foundling, right? Which I mentioned last episode, like there's the, there's this, you're, you keep hating on the, the children of the watch because they're, they're a cult and they've got all these ideals they live by. Well, I mean the rest, every Mandalorian's got that every clan's got different values they stick to and uh religiously right like the the children of the watch they theirs is the dark saber only the only somebody who's got the dark saber can can rule mandalore 
but only if they're pure-blooded Mandalorian. I just think this whole show so, has become a hot mess. <laughs> I think I think it's a lot more clever than you're giving it credit for. Uh, that's not to say we're not getting some questionable content as well, but I think I feel like they're 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 trying to tell a story that a not, that a completely different show was trying to tell so that they can tell the overall story effectively as well. Mm-hmm. So I, we're getting subpar content like this, but they're still trying to still tell a very clever and interesting story, uh, which is of the Mandalorians uniting. Mm-hmm. And you're not <laughs> buying any of it, but that's okay. Cause I do. I do. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can, I can, I can recognize and admit that that is the intent that that is the plan that that is the purpose. I just think they're doing a shit job of it. I think it's, I think it's so damn messy now. And, and you've got two episodes left to, to wrap up so many different storylines that have, supposedly been introduced and then ditched and don't matter and are brought back and then it matters again. And I, it, I just, right. I just don't get it. So who do you place that blame on then? Um, I think it's, I think it's the writer's room. Cause here's the thing, like here's the thing that not a lot of people understand about, about TV show writers and directors versus movie writers and directors on a movie someone writes a screenplay and once that screenplay is out of their hands and it's in the hands of the director, the creative vision and the, the direction of the movie and how things are going to work and what happens and what doesn't happen, that's in the hands of the director. It becomes the director's project, right? And, and the script, the original screenplay just kind of serves as the bare bones framework for what to kind of do on a tv show that's entirely different on a tv show the director of any given episode is simply there to ensure that the writer's vision comes to fruition that it's it's created and it's that the the writers the writers in tv have way more creative power and importance when it comes to the final product than it does in film. And so ultimately, if things seem rushed and slow, a TV show, a big finger, maybe not all of it, but a big finger has got to be pointed at the, at the writers. Right. So in this case, the main writers are Dave Filoni. Yep. And, and John Favreau. Yeah. Uh, there are two others there, but John and Dave would be probably considered the primaries. Which if we look at the other stuff that Dave Filoni writes, like if we look <clears throat> at Clone Wars, Clone Wars is just as packed with useless throwaway what's the point episodes. However, because it's animated, it's a cartoon, it's kind of, you know, whatever. It's We're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's just a fun little episode. 
you know, whatever. And also, for the most part, those the seasons of a show like Clone Wars has 22 episodes. So there's time to get around to and get back to what the point is. Your writing doesn't have to be as as efficient. It doesn't have to be as clever and to the point and and clean because you've got a lot of time to mess around and come back to things. When you're doing a show like Mandalorian, and it doesn't have the benefit of li- of animation, right? You're dealing with live action, so things are viewed under. to present what the hell your story is and progress that story in a way that feels meaningful and consistent with your universe, you need to be a lot more efficient with your writing. You can't, you can't just do whole episodes that seemingly don't have anything to do with anything and abandon plot points halfway through and introduce nine different things. Like, you just don't have... You don't have the wiggle room for all of that. So I, I I don't think it's just that like, oh, you know, all of a sudden like Dave Filoni's off his game. I don't think that at all. I think that Dave Filoni's writing style and his skills as a writer work really well for a long animated season and struggle a little bit when it comes to a shorter, more concise live action season. So then how do you explain the first two seasons of the Mandalorian? Well, because we don't know how much of that it was like, we don't know if, if John Favreau and Dave Filoni were the primary writers for the first two seasons of the Mandalorian. Maybe more of that was John Favreau than it was Dave. Filoni. I, I don't know. And may, or maybe, <sighs> it's the opposite maybe like we don't we don't know how much of this season we don't like it, it, it'd be foolish to assume it's a 50 50 split with john favreau and dave filoni so i don't know i don't know who's dropping the ball from a writing standpoint it's just a, a potential theory of mine right that this storytelling wise this feels very consistent with stuff that we saw in clone wars which worked okay there but certainly is not working for me here hmm. um yeah i'll give you that this episode feels kind of like a filler episode from clone wars um but i think i wouldn't and and that in the end the the kind of the blame falls mostly on the writing who's in charge of writing but at the same time i'm not in terms of like uh, things, some, some of the bigger decisions that cause book of fat to kind of flop and that cause that are causing this season to flop in people's eyes. I think that's got more to do with kind of the rumors that float around about how Lucas films got two camps in it right now. There's a camp that kind of is in line with Kathleen's Kennedy's vision and, and ways of thinking about how the star Wars story should be told. And then there's John Favreau and Dave Filoni's camp. Uh, and that like, and, and not all, not all like 
like I mentioned the Rangers of the Republic thing being canceled and that screwed up the storytelling that they were trying, that these two were trying to tell. And now they're trying to bookmark shoehorn these story beats into a, a show that they were never meant for. And that's causing problems. Um, having things like Grogu coming back in book of fat, um, feeling kind of very jarring being like, like, I don't, I think a lot of those kind of messy decisions weren't made by John Favreau and Dave Filoni. I, I feel like they've had to write around these problems that were created by other people making decisions that affected the story they were trying to tell. Right. And it's made another their job potential. more difficult than it should be. Yeah. And another potential is that this is potentially the result of, of John Favreau having written this season and the next season together so that they knew where the story was going. And so maybe what we're getting is essentially what was written as a 16 episode season part one part but we're two. just one season at a time and so this season's going to end in a way that doesn't feel like the conclusive ending of a season because right. it was written as yeah. 16 episodes it'll it'll probably yeah it could have like a big cliffhanger kind of ending instead of something like what we had at the end of season two yeah i don't know anyways let's let's wrap this up man it's 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 sloppy it's messy it's yeah. got some good moments. There's, but ultimately, what the hell? Yeah. There's lots. There's lots of theory crafting that could be done about why it is what it is compared to what the first two seasons are. But nobody so knows this the truth except for those that are in the writers' room. <laughs> yeah, and so it's a win or a fail for you, sir. Um, this hits a a weird middle ground for me. I think <clears throat> I really liked how this show ended with Bo-Katan taking the, taking up the saber and not quite yet claiming the title of Mandalore, but compared to the way she did it in rebels, she, she's the rightful kind of ha She has a rightful claim. Now the, the saber wasn't given to her as a gift. She's, she's claimed it through combat. Um, and, the, the night owls see that and respect that it's kind of continues to pay off that she's going to be the one to unite the clans of Mandalore, which I mean, I was, I was hedging my bets on, um, Din Djarin doing that. That was my hope, but kind of seeing the night owls disdain for him and him not being a pure blooded Mandalorian really felt right. It felt, it felt proper, you know? So, mm -hmm. so I like that. I did like some of the kind of actual CSI investigating that happened in jar and kicking, kind of being the bad cop and Katie Sackoff's book, Dan being the good cop. I thought that was pretty good. I really, I feel like, if they had cast lesser known actors instead of 
Jack Black and um, Doc. What's his name? Uh, Chris actor. Lloyd. Yeah, like it, it, I feel like it would have been a little bit more palatable and of an episode. It was really dis disjarring seeing Jack Black. I don't know what that singer's name is that plays his wife, but she was not a good actor in this episode. No, v extremely unbelievable, and uh, yeah, just kind of pulling you pulling me right out of the the episode uh but i mean so it had a lot of downsides to it but it ha had a few redeeming moments so it fi it finds some weird middle ground for me i think mm -hmm. what did what did you how much did you hate it <laughs> it's a fail it's a fail it's yeah. just it's a fail yeah i i don't know how else to put it it's did, did it have like any redeeming moments you said you didn't mind yeah i mean kicking. like i said i you know didn't kicking the, the thing rights. yeah yeah it was yeah that was fun that was really yeah. fun <laughs> but like outside of that and like a couple of the like some fun action sequences yeah it just yeah it was a sloppy mess yeah yeah for sloppy me those the, yeah the the good cop bad cop moments were and and the ending were like were were the really the the meat and yummiest part of this episode yeah like yeah because did they they really did good cop back like bo katan's trying to be delicate and kind of um work within the system and be uh kind of suave charge <laughs> just mm -hmm. like direct loves direct as a sledgehammer <laughs> yes yeah so it was, it was yeah. really fun watching the two kind of use their own um ways to navigate this problem yeah even the chase scene like the the, the battle droid knocked over some boxes and din jaren just kind of like really awkwardly jumped over them mm -hmm. and Bo-Katan just like really smoothly uses her jetpacks to give her a little bit extra boost and get over them cleanly. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you. Check out our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all listed below our Patreon. A great way to support the show for as little as a dollar a month and get some fun perks back for yourself. Mm -hmm. And we have merch. We have merch. I would highly recommend it's our merch is better than this episode was of Mandalorian. Yeah. Get, get, get some merch. It's better than Beskar armor. Yes. And until next time, the only thing that I can say about the writing and the presentation of Mandalorian season three, this is not the way. <laughs>